Good morning. Uh, today we're going to be uh, talking about uh, the color uh, red and uh, the color of anger and uh, how, we, how we deal with our anger. And I do, uh, do want to give you a heads up. I'm going to pray here in just a minute. But um, we are, we are going to be in um, the imprecatory psalms. So these are uh, sometimes called uh, the cursing psalms. And uh, these psalms are real and they are angry. And some of them are uncomfortable to hear. And um, we're, we're going to talk about them. But if there's uh, small children in the room, uh, I just want to give you a heads up about a couple of these psalms. Uh, we're talking about anger today. And uh, these, are, these are angry psalms. So um, let's, uh, let's pray together. We have, uh, we, do, we, do, we have kids zone going, little kids zone. We have all that stuff going right now if you want to uh, check your little ones um, into there. All right. So let me go ahead and pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for today. Uh, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you uh, for his grace. Um, I want to pray uh, right now in this room uh, that anybody um, that is walking um, with, with anger, uh, that we would begin to receive healing um, today through your word. Uh, we thank you again for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. A young girl uh, was writing a paper and uh, came to home to her dad and asked, what is the difference between anger and exasperation? And the father replied, well, it's mostly um, a matter of degree, but let me show you what I mean. He, he called up a man uh, on his cell phone, put it on speaker so his daughter could hear, and the man answered, and he said, hello, is Melvin there? And the guy was kind of frustrated. He said, there is no Melvin here. Why don't you check your number first? You know, I, I don't understand why you're wasting my time. And the, and the guy kind of hang, hung up. And the father turned to his daughter and said, see, uh, he was frustrated. That, that's an example of frustration. He was frustrated that we kind of wasted his time. He said, now watch. So he dials the same number again, comes through, and the guy gets on and, and just kind of roars. He said, you know, what are you doing calling me back? You're, you're looking for Melvin again, aren't you? And the guy said, yeah. He said, I've already told you there is no Melvin here. Now, now stop calling me. And uh, the father said, now you see, this is exasperation. Um, and and now, now, he's getting, now he's getting angrier and angrier and, um, you, you know, all, all of that. He's, he said, you know, that, that's an example of that. And he said, now let me just show you what utter frustration looks like. And he calls a third time and the guy just roars on the phone. He said, now you're calling me a third time. He said, hello, this is Melvin. Have there been any calls for me? Um, and so, yeah. So I want to ask you a question as we get started together about, and I want you to really think about this, about what makes you angry? Right, and, and really think about that just for a minute. What, what made you angry? What, make, what makes you angry? I came across a list that they'd actually done a little research with this and surveyed a lot of people about um, what makes people angry. And let me give you uh, the, the top 10 things of what's making us angry uh, as, as a culture right now. People uh, talking to you while you're trying to work is number 10. Uh, nine is people talking during movies. A lot of these are people talking based, right? Uh, so uh, people talking during movies. Uh, number eight is screaming children. Uh, number seven, I'm just, I'm literally just reporting the survey. I thought about keeping this out, but I, I didn't. But number seven on the list was Donald Trump is our president. Um, number six was nosy people. Uh, number five was bad drivers. Number four was slow loading screens on our computers. Uh, number three was liars. Number two was people who take credit for your work. And uh, the number one thing making us angry right now is being blamed for something you didn't do. So, anyone got anything on that list, just out of curiosity? All right, all right, all right. Um, if uh, you've got all 10, see me after church and we'll pray for you, okay? So, I, I wanna ask you, do, do you think we're more angry as a culture? 
And I, I'm not sure I would describe us that way. My, my dad uh, just turned 70 this year, and he used to tell me a couple stories about uh, that he would go to work during some uh, union riots and stuff, and, and he'd pull up to work, and there'd be people with baseball bats, like, banging on his car. All right, so, so that's, that's a pretty angry, angry culture. But here's what I do think. I do think we have more access uh, to read about other people's anger and to vent our own anger than maybe we ever have before. Uh, just 10 years ago, 20% of people had a social media account. So 10 years ago, 20% had a social media account. This year, that number is going to rise above 80%. Right? So we're on social media, we're venting our anger, we're reading other people venting their anger. And so I think the ability to express anger, the ability to express frustration um, is what's increased, not necessarily our anger um, as, as a culture. But let's talk a little bit more about anger before we get into the Psalms. Because one thing that we do know is that Jesus, there were times when Jesus expressed anger. right? So the idea that just, oh, never be angry, all anger's wrong, that's not true. There were times when Jesus expressed anger. I want to show you a story. Uh, this is probably the most famous time uh, that Jesus ever expressed anger. Let me put this on the screen for you. It says, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the table, tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the, to the son of David, they were indignant. Right? Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Right, have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? And he left them and went to the city of Bethany where he spent the night. So a little bit of background on the story. If you were to travel to Jerusalem uh, and, uh, for a festival, you would be kind of required to offer a sacrifice while you were in Jerusalem for the, for the uh, uh, festival that you were celebrating. Now, if you were poor, or if you didn't have a lot of money, uh, Jewish law allowed you to sacrifice turtle doves, right? It was a lot cheaper way to do the sacrifice, and the Old Testament allowed for you to do that. So Jesus walks in, and what he observes is that those in particular that were there for the turtle doves, so that this is the poor, those that don't have a lot of resources, they were being taken advantage of. They were being overcharged for their doves. And so Jesus uh, has an angry reaction. He overturns uh, the, the, the money changers and uh, he, he drives them out. And then he does something really interesting. He welcomes in the blind. He welcomes in the lame. He welcomes in those that were considered poor by the religious elite, those that embodied that group. He welcomed them in and he began to heal them. So notice what happens here. All right, this is very important, I think. He has an angry moment. Listen. There are times to be angry, right? There are things that you should be angry about. Uh, you know, anytime you can read the newspaper, you can see some of these terrible things that happen. There are moments to be angry, but then he immediately follows it up with loving and serving those that are being mistreated. So it's one thing to be angry. Anybody can be angry. It's one thing to be angry. It's another thing to do something positive about it. Right? And, and this is the example that Jesus sets for us. This is what we mean by righteous anger. Punch one is what you're doing is wrong. Punch two is let me show you what is right. So I have two concerns. My number one concern about our culture is that there is a lot of anger and not much serving and love. Can I get an amen, right? 
right? We are angrier than we've ever been, but you don't see a ton of people serving and, and leading a movement that way. An anger, a, a movement that is solely based in anger will not go anywhere. A movement that starts with an angry reaction and then seeks to resolve it will change the world. Right? And so that is my first concern is that there's a lot of anger. There's not a lot of movement towards, towards positive solutions. And my concern number two, and this is what the rest of the sermon is going to be about, that first thing, if you've been here for years and years, you know I sometimes do that. That's just like a vent I have. All right, So now we're going to get to the sermon, right? Um, is that we don't know what to do with, with our anger. Um, and, and for many of us, our anger festers and it burns. That's why we're, we're on the color red. All right? It's the color of fire. Right? It festers and it burns and we don't know what to do about it. And this sermon is about what you do about it. Right? Because we all get angry. We all have angry moments. Hopefully some positive solutions come out of that. But every one of us gets angry. We need to know what to do about it. So if you have your Bible, Psalm 137. All right, today we are going to look at the prayers. We're going to get to listen into the prayers and, and some songs of some pretty angry people. Some pretty hurt people. And these prayers, if you're anything like me, I'm just telling you, these prayers are going to disturb you. They disturbed me. They are called the cursing psalms, imprecatory psalms, prayers of cursing. And we're going to see how these being delivered, how, how these being prayed ultimately could be the key to bringing healing to your life and to mine. So here's Psalm 137. I'll show you a couple more examples of these in a little bit. But by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors de demanded songs of joy. They said, sing to us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, uh, may my... Uh, May my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy, remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction. Here's the prayer. Happy is the one who repays you according to what has been done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. That's in the Bible, right? I, I, I'm not making that up. That, that is in the Bible. The story uh, finds itself in the captivity of Israel against Babylon. They have been defeated. Uh, many of their people were, were killed. Babylon had this ritual where they would take kind of the smartest and most elite uh, back to Babylon and try to kind of uh, inoculate the Babylonian ways in, into them. But anyone that wasn't the best or the brightest or, or whatever, however you want to describe that, were most likely killed. And history will tell us that many of the Jewish children were taken up to the city wall and thrown to the rocks below. That, that's what Babylon did. And so the psalm starts out with the people of Israel weeping and mourning and their captors come by and mock them and demand that they sing songs of joy despite their children being dead. Not a great moment to be Jewish. And out of their anger and out of their sadness, we come to verses eight and nine. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is who who repays you for what is done to us, he who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. They begin to pray that what happened to them as Jewish people would happen to Babylon. You ever felt that way before? We don't like to admit it in church, but we felt that way before. What you've done to me, I hope it happens to you. The pain 
you've caused me, I hope someday you have that pain in your life. The financial difficulties you've caused me, I hope the IRS audits you, right? The tears you've caused me to cry, I hope someday you experience tragedy and you have to cry that way. This is what the people of Israel are praying. You killed our children? Is anybody uncomfortable? This is our human nature speaking in the psalm that we take great hope in the fact that someday God will make things even and someday God will make things equal and someday they will get paid back for what they've done. Let me show you another one. Psalm 109, verses eight through 12. This is written by David about his enemies. May his days be few. May another take his place of leadership. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children be wandering beggars. May may they be driven from their ruined homes. May a creditor seize all he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his labor. May no one extend kindness on him or take pity to his fatherless children. You're starting to feel pretty good about your issues, aren't you? (laughs) That guy was messed up, right? That was David, right? So um, a man after God's own heart. Psalm 58, he says, um, break the teeth in their mouths, O God. Tear out, O Lord, the fangs of the lions. Let them vanish like water that flows away. I want to put this question on the screen for you, and this is what I want to examine just for a few moments. We'll put it up. That's my question. <laughs> is this okay? <laughs> is it okay to feel this way? Is it okay to want someone to suffer? to want their children uh, to come to harm, to want them to, to die or be hurt or in pain, to want their teeth broken from their head? Is it okay to want revenge and to want to get even with someone and want to pay them back? I think that's a great question, don't you? Is this okay? I mean, yes, it's in the Bible, but is it okay to, to, to have these feelings and to have these thoughts? It kind of stands a little bit in contrast to what Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter six. You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment, right? And yet we have these Psalms, brutally honest. So let me put this question on the screen next. Is it okay to feel this way? Right? Is, is it okay to feel this way? We, th- th- we have to be honest that I don't think the scripture would teach us that it is okay to want these things. I don't think that's the point of the psalm. I, I think the, the point of the psalm is that sometimes we do. Sometimes we're angry and sometimes we want revenge and sometimes that finds its way into our heart. I think these psalms are just brutally honest sometimes about our human nature. So I don't think the psalm is trying to teach us it's okay to feel this way. I think the psalm is identifying that sometimes we do. These psalms were not trying to give us a license to feel anything we want or to do anything we want. I think they're being honest. They're not trying to make an argument about, hey, isn't anger cool and hip and the way to go, right? So what are these psalms trying to teach us? If they're not teaching us it's good or okay to feel this way, because some of you know people that feel this way, and you see what it's doing to their life. They are angry, embittered people, and it is having an impact on their relationships. It's having an impact on their soul. It's having an impact on their relationship with God. They are just angry all the time. So we, we know that these feelings can lead to damaging places. Here's what I think the point of the Psalms, uh, of these imprecatory or cursing Psalms is. Here's the point. If you feel this way, you should bring it to God. That's the point. 
That is the point of the Psalms. If you want revenge, if you are angry, if you are bitter, if you want to get even, you should pray that prayer, right? God's a big God. He can handle it. Trust me. Right? If you feel that way, you should pray that to God. We see this in the cursing Psalms that we looked at today. And you should get into as much graphic detail as you want to get into. You should be totally honest with God. That's the point of the imprecatory Psalms. It is, man, if you are embittered and you are angry and you want revenge, the point of the cursing Psalms is not that it's okay to feel that way. The point of the imprecatory Psalms is if you feel that way, give it to God. Give it to God. Give it all to God. Be as brutally honest as you want to to be. And I believe it's in the process of praying a prayer like that. I really believe this. We're going to talk about this uh, in a few minutes. I believe it's in the process of being honest with God that we will find healing for our hearts. All right, some of you, I'm going to ask for a show of hands uh, for how many of you grew up the same way I did. I grew up in a family of stuffers, right? We didn't talk to God about our anger. anger. We didn't talk to each other about our anger. We stuffed, right? And we're good at it, right? So how many of you grew up stuffers where these sorts of things were not talked about? You really hate church today and that's okay, all right? All right. I don't know if we should be talking about this. It's really gonna be okay. It really is, all right? I grew up in a family of, of, of stuffers. And I think part of it was we were uh, kind of new to church. My parents uh, went to church the year I was born, something about me told them they had to get to church, but um, they went to church out of the year I was born and we were just learning in it and growing in it. But somehow we came to the conclusion um, that we're never going to kind of voice being angry or wanting revenge or any of that stuff. We're not going to give a a voice to that. And if you grew up that same way, here's what you know is true. Usually you don't bring that to anyone, right? Some of you grew up in a family that would do almost anything to avoid saying they're upset, even to God. And as a result of stuffing Some of you have people in your family and Thanksgiving's coming up and you know that this is true, that they are still just as angry and just as bitter about things that happened 20 years ago. They're they're just as angry today as they were 20 years ago. And you'll sit around a big Thanksgiving meal this year and they'll start talking about it and you're like, man, you're still angry and you're still bitter about that. Um, And and they've never learned to, to let it go and it can be just as real today as it was Uh, 20 years ago that, um, and I think it's important that we take a time out here just for a minute, because I want you to notice in these cursing Psalms that almost all of these Psalms have to do with legitimate pain done to people, all right? So we're we're not talking about some of the everyday annoyances or or pet peeves, right? We're not talking about someone getting cut off in traffic. God, leave their child childless, right? Or fatherless, you know? That's like, whoa, you you need to talk to someone about that, right? We're we're not talking about someone talking uh, during your movie. May their child be dashed against the rocks. Stop talking during the movie. It's like, whoa, all right, overreaction, right? Um, We're not talking about getting a speeding ticket. Break the teeth in his mouth, you know? No, we're we're talking about people that have been actually hurt by actual events. This isn't a pet peeve thing. We're talking about the person that had the affair and left. We're talking about the abuse victim uh, as a child. We're talking about the divorce that left you reeling and you're angry and you've tried stuffing it and at times you've tried getting even, you've tried forgetting it and you don't know what to do. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. This morning, pray. Be brutally honest with your heavenly father. He can handle it. I promise you, he can. Tell him how angry you are. 
Tell him how embittered you are. Tell him what you would do if you were the God of the universe and you were in his place and begin the process of being healed by him. So let me tell you, there's two transactions that take place when we, when we pray this way. I really believe this. One is, it is um, we are uh, releasing our anger and giving it away. All right, so when you stuff it, you keep it inside, right? So you stuff, you stuff, you stuff. A lot of times, a, a lot of people actually have some digestive problems over this, right? And, and science is just kind of catching up to this, that a lot of it is we've stuffed it down to here, right? And so our body is demonstrating for us that, we're, that we're, we've stuffed it down. So it's having an internal, we're having an internal reaction to, to, uh, to a heart issue. And so one of the things that praying does is it creates a transaction where we give our anger to God who can handle it. And so th this is one of the things that happens in the cursing Psalms. God, we are angry at Babylon. We are angry about what they did. We can't believe that they, they did this. You are taking your anger that is in your heart and you are giving it away to God who can handle it. Right? So that's the first thing that happens. And this is, don't, don't just, you know, I, I, I never want to be a person that just gives like simple answers to big problems. And so you come to church today, you see we're talking about anger. You're like, man, I'm really angry. I'm going to go to church today and get some help. And a guy like me stands up here and says, pray. You're like, I knew it. Right? That's why I don't go to church. Right? Right? Simple answers to complex problems. That's not what this is. Right? Because first of all, what I'm proposing is that you be brutally honest with your Heavenly Father and that a transaction takes place where as you pray, as honest as you want to be, as you pray, you give your anger to God. And the second thing it does is it, there's another transfer that takes place, is it transfers our need for justice, our need for retribution, and our need for payback to God. Did you notice that, right, in most of these cursing psalms, it's not like David or whoever wrote the psalm saying, I'm going to go out and do this. I'm going to dash them against the rocks, or I'm going to break the teeth in their head. It's praying, God, I think this is what you should do, right? It's, it's maybe giving God advice, you could say, that not that God needs it, but this is one of the transactions of these cursing psalms is, I feel a need for justice. I feel a need for payback. I, need a, I feel a need for retribution. And God, I am transferring that from me to you. You be the God that you are, that, that you have always have, have been, that you are a God of justice. So I'm going to give that burden of justice to you. And that's exactly who he is. He is uh, a God of justice. And so this is a powerful part of these prayers. It is God, you do justice. God, you do retribution. God, you do payback. Because as a human being, I absolutely should not be in charge of this. And so God, I'm feeling it. I want to be honest about what I'm feeling. I'm feeling it, but I understand as God, you do the justice thing. You do the retribution thing. You do the payback thing. So I am handing that back from my heart to you and asking you to do that. So here's the thing. When we hold on to revenge, when we hold on to, our, to, to revenge, it holds us back from healing. It does. And, and for some of us, here's, here, revenge works two ways. Some of you grew up like I did. We're stuffers, right? Peace, right? Stuffing, right? We're, we're stuffers. And here's what sometimes happens is you would never do anything because you're, you're, you're like me and you're really nice, right? So you would never do anything. But you think about what you would do, 
right? Am I preaching to anyone? You're like, oh, if I got them in a room, (laughs) if I got them in a room and you start thinking about what you'd say and you start thinking about what it's like, oh, if I drove over to that apartment complex and I saw their car, oh, let me tell you. And you think about this all the time, about what you would do if you weren't so nice. And it's great that you're nice, right? We're Christians, we're supposed to be nice. So you, 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 but you think about it. And so it's blocking your healing, it's blocking you from being able to be healed. And some of you, all right, I'm not you know, gonna point you out or whatever, or ask you to raise your hands. Some of you do do stuff, right? And here's what happens in this case, is that you would say, man, I'm just trying to even it up a little bit. And what, I'm just trying to get even. I, I would never go above even. And what happens is this becomes a lifelong thing. And the truth of the matter is years and years ago, you were even. Years and years ago, you were even, but you keep going and you keep going. You're trying to satisfy a craving. You're trying to satisfy an itch that can never be satisfied because retribution's not your job. I love you. You're nice. Retribution's not your job. Vengeance is mine, saith the, right? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Not vengeance is mine, saith Steve. And you ought to be grateful that's true, right? <laughs> right? I'm grateful it's, not, it's true for you, right? We're, we're, this isn't our job. And so one of the things that it does, one of the things cursing, what just brutally honest prayers does is God, I know what I would do, but God, and, and you tell him. If you want to tell him, you can, right? I know, I don't know if you're looking for any advice, God, but you know, um, you know, may their car not start in the morning. You know, whatever you want to do, God, you know, right? Yeah. God, I'm, I'm handing this back over to you. I shouldn't have been holding this in the first place. So God, this is what I would do, but you're a God of justice and I am going to leave it with you. And then at the amen, when you say amen, you leave it with him. You leave it with him. Some of you, this has been a really long thing, either imagining what you would do or actually doing something. But either way, it is holding you back from healing. Um, And some of you have been stuffing and your body is rebelling against it. Your physical health is rebelling against it because you've stuffed it so low. Today, I want us to unstuff. I want us to be honest with God. I want to tell him what we're thinking and feeling. And then I want us to leave it with him. We sometimes forget, we sometimes forget that God is a God of justice, that this is his job. I've told you guys this before, but like one of kind of my pet peeves in Christendom is that we have this kind of belief that, man, God in the Old Testament seemed really like a curmudgeon almost, like really angry. And then it's like in the New Testament, something happens and he's like really nice, right? And, and we think, man, it's like almost like two different gods, and it's not. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is grace in the Old Testament. There is. There's grace and love in the Old Testament. There is uh, vengeance, and there is judgment in the New Testament. God is the same all, all, the, way, all the way through. Um, but here's the truth of the gospel, and I think this is a real challenge for some of us that have been hurt. The truth of the gospel is that Jesus took the justice and wrath of God on the cross, Right? This is the story of the cross, is that God, Jesus took the wrath of God for us so that we could be forgiven and set free. And I think when it comes to this whole anger thing, 
All right, I'm gonna preach to some of you here just for a few minutes. I think, if I can be honest, grace makes this challenging. Because I want you to think about what grace offers your enemy, right? We talk a lot about what grace offers you, that grace offers you forgiveness and a clean slate and you're right with God. Grace offers you that. I want you to think about what grace offers the person that hurt you. That if they come to Jesus, forgiveness is available to them as well. And it's scandalous and it's unfair And we might be tempted to say, where is the justice for me? And can I tell you something? You know where the justice is? That sin that was committed against you? I want to talk just about sins committed against us. That sin committed against you was satisfied on the cross. I don't see the justice. The perfect, blameless son of God died for that sin. He died for the very thing that was done to you. Jesus died for that sin. And when it comes to my sin and the way I hurt others, that should give me peace because I know I am forgiven through Jesus, that grace is available to me. And um, uh, if the people in my life that I've hurt, when I've sinned against them, that I can come into Jesus, he offers me grace upon grace upon grace, and I am forgiven. When it comes to the sins committed against me, all right? When it's my sin, it should give me peace. When it's their sin, everyone look, it should give you freedom. And that is the thing I'm praying for you today. Freedom that the sin committed, against, whether they've accepted it or not, there is freedom in knowing that the sin committed against you has been paid for. You don't have to make them pay anymore. It's been paid for. You don't have to make them hurt anymore. It's been paid for. You don't have to make things even. It's been paid for. So my prayer for you is that through the gospel, that Jesus paid for every sin, and whether or not your enemy accepts that free gift of grace or or not, every single sin that's ever been committed, including the ones committed against Jesus Christ, were paid for on the cross. I want that to give you peace about your sin and freedom about theirs that I don't have to be in the justice game. I don't have to be in the retribution game. I don't have to be in the payback game. That has been taken care of. That is God's job. And listen, if they're not a Christian, if they're not the person that hurt you, if they're not a Christian, listen to me, it's still God's job. Retribution, payback, getting even. It is still God's job. He's better at it than you. He's better at it than me. We leave it to him. Now, hopefully my prayer for them, and I I know you might not feel this way if they hurt you. My prayer for them is that their justice is achieved through the cross because that's better. But here's what I know about God and here's what I know about your situation. I hope it's achieved through the cross it will be achieved. Justice will happen. But I am telling you, we are not the ones that should be doing it because we're sinful and we don't see straight. And even the idea of them coming to Jesus and receiving grace upon grace upon grace, for some of you that just, it bothers you because you're hurt. 
It, that bothers you. The idea bothers you because you want them to get their justice another way. That bothers, and so we're not the ones that should be doing this. And so this morning, this morning, I want you to pray a prayer of brutal honesty to God. You tell him what you're upset about. You tell him what, what, you, what you think about what's going on. You tell them all about the hurt that you've experienced. And at the amen, you, you try your best to leave it with him. And if you find it creeping back in, guess what you're gonna do tomorrow? You're gonna pray a prayer of brutal honesty, right? You're gonna tell God what's going on and, and how you, what you think about your hurt. You're gonna be honest with God. And then you're gonna, amen, you're gonna leave it with him. And then on Tuesday, if it's back, what are you gonna do? You're gonna pray a prayer of brutal honesty with God and you're gonna tell him what's going on. And I promise you, because I've personally experienced this, I did, I did uh, my, uh, my uh, college thesis on these cursing psalms and it impacted me greatly because it was four years. I, I wrote the paper four years after my mom had passed away. And I was angry and I was bitter. And a, a guy uh, that, that was friends of our family had really hurt our family right when we were down and, and needed his help the most. He, he betrayed us and hurt us. And, I, and this was four years later and I was still angry. And uh, I, I, my professor said, what do you want to do your thesis on? And he had introduced me to these cursing Psalms. And I said, I'm gonna do my paper on the cursing Psalms. I kind of like those because I was angry and I was bitter. I'm just being honest with you. I kind of like these. And I started going through the research and I started studying and I realized that this is not a license to feel hatred toward this guy that hurt my family. This is a license to tell God about it. And we hide from him and we're scared of him and we don't think he understands or we don't think he understands betrayal. Except that his son went to the cross for sins he didn't commit. And so, of course, God invites us to be honest with him. And that has been the greatest take-home point for me is if I'm angry, God's the one I should tell. I'm not going to stuff. I'm not going to ignore. I'm not going to pretend like it's not there. I'm going to tell God because he's the one that can bring healing to me. He's the one that can satisfy my need for justice. He's the one that can show me grace upon grace upon grace. And so my prayer for you is that you would find freedom. Some of you have been walking around for a long time angry. You've tried stuffing. You've tried fantasizing about what you would do. You've tried actually getting even. You've tried it all. Today, I want you to try honesty. And to just say, maybe for the first time, maybe you've never felt permission to say this out loud. I'm angry. And this is why. You, say, you tell it to God. He's a big God and can handle it. And you watch him when you do that day after day after day. God, I'm leaving my need for justice with you. Amen. The next day, oh, I didn't do that. All right. God, I, I, it's not taken yet, right? So it takes prayers a while to take. Did you know that? That's theological. And it's brilliant, right? Sometimes it takes them a while to take, right? So you just keep praying it and praying it and praying it. And you watch what he does in your heart and your mind. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, you are a God of justice. And uh, I hope this was okay and helpful to people here. I don't want to hurt anybody, but I have walked a mile in angry shoes.
And my mommy and my daddy taught me to stuff. That's just what we did. They didn't know any better. That's what their families did. And it is through your word that I found the power of honesty with you. So today, I want to pray for our church. I want to pray for honesty. And if someone's here and this isn't for them and they're not angry, um, I rejoice in that. But for the people here that are struggling, we've tried it all, Lord. We've tried it all, but maybe we haven't tried honesty yet. And so today, we want to be honest with you. We want to tell you what's going on. We want to leave our need for justice with you. We want to have a transfer right now of our anger. We want to just give it to you. Please take it. We want to give it to you. And we want to thank you for holding it for us. And I pray that that prayer would happen day after day after day until we begin to feel healed. The emotion of anger can be a powerful thing. It can destroy. And so we want to just hand it over to you. And your gospel, your good news that we're going to celebrate here together teaches us uh, about a great transaction that took place where you take all of our sin and all of our shortcomings and you give us your righteousness. So I want to pray that in terms of our anger right now. We thank you for Jesus. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Hey, we're going to receive communion right now. This is a transactional moment. It is a moment where we remember the time that Jesus went to the cross and he took all of our sin on that cross. He took all of their, their sin in a, in, a, in a great transaction. It's offered to everybody. We have to accept it, but it's offered to all. And so I just want to pray right now that if you have an angry heart or an angry spirit, that you would just in your mind, you can even kind of envision it however you want to envision it that you're giving your anger to Jesus. Maybe you say those words to him. I want to give this to you. I want to be done with this. And you watch him begin to take it from you, even as we, even as we do communion. So we're going to remember his death, burial, and resurrection, the power to live a new life. And you can hold on to the cup um, and uh, of, of bread representing his body, juice representing his blood. And I'm going to come back up on stage in just two or three minutes, and we'll receive it together as a church family.